Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to Tales from the Lockbox, episode number nine. I am your host, Josh Benolio, VP of Sales at Property.ca and Condos.ca. We got an exciting, jam-packed episode for you today because we have another one of our preferred vendors in the house. Lucas, let's bring it in here. We got the amazing Miriam Essebag, Miriam's Mortgages. She's from the Mortgage Outlet, and she is here to talk to us today about everything to do with mortgages, inside and outside. So, Miriam... Welcome. Thank you. And we're excited to have you here. Very excited. Everyone hears your voice in the background of the calls, but today you're sitting here. And for those of you who don't know, Miriam is in our office on a weekly basis, sitting here here to help you close deals. Miriam, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got into becoming, how you became a mortgage broker. So I started out, um, I'll say almost four, close to five years ago. Um, I, re- I worked in accounting and bookkeeping for a few companies in my life. That was where my niche was. Okay. But um, mortgages seemed to be like the right next step. Um, my husband sold his company. I kind of needed something to do. I took the course, finished it in about a week, and then I joined an amazing group, Mortgage Outlet, where um, they fund over a billion of loans a year. So having that access to that much knowledge was great, and it built experience quickly. And I just have been in it for that long. I love it. Um, not sure how else to explain my... my... Amazing. Yeah. So it's been five years of being a mortgage broker. And for those of you who don't know, I work very closely with Miriam, as, as a lot of agents here do. And one thing you do really well, which I have to commend you on, is you really stay on top of the people that we send to you um, that need to get qualified. You stay on top of them and bring them back to the surface, which have been an amazing tool for us. Um, you also do a great job. Everyone who's ever closed a mortgage that I've sent to you has, has amazing, amazing things to say. So we'll keep moving into here. So one of the things that we talk about here on Tales from the Lockbox is we want to understand your motivation. You know, you're a high functioning, you're a mom, you have a lot of, how many kids do you have? Five. Five kids. So you're a working mom. You know, you got kids, I know that you kids, not just in Toronto, you got kids in Israel, New York, they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you stay motivated? Mortgages are tough, especially right now. You know, there's a lot to get through. You're looking through tons of applications. What keeps you motivated? Like, what's your driving force? Well, obviously, it's like because I know I'm supporting like a family or helping to support a family is always a motivation. But honestly, it's really just the challenge of completing a deal, the challenge of finding someone the ability to purchase. I love that challenge. So when someone comes to me with uh, not being able to afford something, uh, finding a way for them to do it Mm -hmm. and um, guiding them, teaching them some of these maybe a year out. So where we might not have been able to do it right away, but a year later, they're out purchasing a property, just received an amazing email with pictures of their family and their condo. And um, it was like so heartwarming, but realistic. So that's really important for me. And I think when I first started in the industry, I kind of I drove to this industry because I love helping people. And initially I was a respiratory therapist, so working in the hospitals, and I think I loved doing that, but I didn't love the nitty gritty of the hospital, but I loved helping. So this was like the next best thing where I wasn't in the nitty gritty of a hospital, but in an industry where you're constantly helping people. Right. And that's, I think, what motivates me. It's just, it, it's not about, I treat every single file the same. So it's not about the money, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is, obviously, but at the end of the day, it's more about everybody gets treated the same. So whether you're buying an 
$100,000 property or a $3 million property, the process is the same for me. It's not any different. I still need the same amount of documents, the same work ethics that are in place. And that's, and that's important. So that, right. that takes a, a person that is caring about their client at the end of the day. And I know you do. Yeah, it's important for me. Yeah, I mean, you're really, you know, you're changing people's lives. You know, there's, there's, I can tell you countless times that people have come to me and said, I can't buy. Mm-hmm. The mortgage broker said no, this and that, mm-hmm. and then I've sent them to you and you've mm-hmm. just... Without a question. And it's sad for me because I know that they, people do go out to banks only and come back and they say, you know, RBC didn't approve or any of the specific banks or BMO or whatever. It's just because every bank has different policies, right? Mm-hmm. And understanding your client first, the same way you do when you take them out. You know what they need for their family. You know where they need to be if they need a school or if they need to be near work or they want, you know, uh, to be in an, an area that they can enjoy the afternoons or depending on their age. It's the same for me. I need to know what the client needs. What's your, what's your five-year goal? And that's important that's Putting a big part of why we, yeah, that's a big part of what we do. Absolutely. So knowing your client is very important. Do I put them in an RBC or do I put them in a Scotia? They won't know that. You know right. what I mean? And no bank is going to give them the guidance where today mortgage brokers have a very big place in the market because we give you options where. Let's talk about that. A bit. Yeah. Like how does that like, you know, how do you tackle that conversation of why somebody should be using a mortgage broker and not just be going directly to the bank? Um, so, like I said, when you go to a bank, you're specific. You're one. You only have one rate, so that's all you know. You don't know anything else about the industry, and you don't have any other options. Two, um, you may have a situation where, and everybody knows, we all make money differently, right? You may have a, a situation where you're self-employed, one year. Don't show two years of docs, you know what I mean? Or, well, it's not a, it may be a no at TD or it may be a no, but it may be a yes at First National and you never knew. And Mm -hmm. it's a clean yes because they have a program to, to allow for that. Even with net worth, there are clients that, you know, obviously we're all making income and very often we're showing minimum because we only need to take minimum to live and we want to save a lot in the company and not pay taxes. So some of the banks understand that and they're saying, okay, what are you holding in your company? And we'll use that to borrow on just net worth. So someone with RSPs, for example, of a million dollars can now borrow, you know, deducted by 30% because everyone has to know that eventually if they had to cash it, they'd pay out 30%. They can borrow 700,000 now. So those are offered only a few small banks, net worth mortgages and whatnot. And then knowing, should it be a variable? Should it be a HELOC? What are you looking to do? I had a client this week buy a property and she was looking to get into like an inheritance of $300,000. So I said to her, let's, oh, a TD offered her the $600,000 mortgage. And I said, well, why don't we split it? Why don't we do 300 mortgage, 300 line of credit? Why? Because you're getting paid 300000 That gives you the liberty to pay out your mortgage, at least half of it, that you know will come into play. So knowing those details mm-hmm. requires a conversation, detailed conversation, knowledge. I mean, she went into a bank and asked for a mortgage. They gave her 600 but they didn't go to the next conversation and say, let me How know what's working? going on in your life. What is happening? Oh, you know, in a conversation, she mentioned, I'm getting a $300,000 inheritance. Great. Let's apply that to your mortgage. Wow, you know, otherwise she would have been into a lot of you know, sitting on 300,000 not being able to pay down her mortgage. 
Right. Those are the options you need to give people. I think from what you're saying, it sounds like a lot of me, me being a mortgage broker, aside from just you know being a lender from the bank, is actually goes into like long-term financial planning with your exactly. clients. Exactly, and building You're understanding them. their family, and you're building them to continually help them, and you probably have a lot of people come back to you from that, and I'm sure you, I know you do. Uh, so it's almost long-term financial planning there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it's just knowing, like, I know every client, I get texts in the morning, hey, Mir, take a look at this property. I know the client already. I know what they have. I know what's in what's what what's available for them. So the response is instant. Okay, what are you doing with your other two condos? Mm-hmm. Like, not no bank is going to respond like that, right? We're instant. You want to look at a property. My clients are texting me at 11 o'clock at night. Hey, Mir, I looked at this property. Punch in the numbers. Let me know where I can go. Highest purchase price, mm-hmm. right? That's what brokers do. We are no nine to five. We are available anytime. We're supportive. We want our realtors to do well. You know, you are a prime source. Our objective is to make you look good. That's what we are here to do. And you do. We want to make you look good. If we don't, we look you know what I mean? That's where we lose. Totally. And it's the most important thing. I think one of the things that I don't, I, I've never even really been asked directly, but I know that it kind of, it surfaces around there. It's like people are sometimes concerned to call a mortgage broker because they feel like there's going to be like a fee associated, a heavier price that they're going to have to pay to get that same mortgage. Like tell us a little it's bit about so, it's like so that. It's so the opposite. That, I so figured. the opposite. It's oh, so economic. And that's, all the realtors listening, they, yeah. they need this information so, so the they opposite. know when they're talking to people. Right. With mortgage brokers, first of all, I work with over 35 different lenders. So any one time, uh, for example, like, you know, TD could be at 6.15, but I have a 5.85 with LendWise Merricks, which is a huge lender. But so what's the difference? No difference. It's just another product and they bought money cheap. So they're selling it cheap. It's mm-hmm. like when you buy a lot of products and you buy them cheap and you now have an edge on the market, mm-hmm. right? So it's the same thing with the banks. When they buy the market at the money at the right time, so that's when they have like funds in their account that they could sell a little bit cheaper. The other part of this is we want to keep your mortgages with property.ca. We want to keep your clients together. So our objective is to keep your clients happy. So right now, for example, with TD, we're VIP. I'm offering an additional 0.05 on any live deal right off the bat. And I tell clients. And what right does away. that mean, an extra 0.05? So, so a rate 5.95. We have 5.9. It's mm-hmm. like guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, sometimes we get bonus um, commissions on some, like there's like a point, uh, you know, an extra 25 basis points increase uh, bonus. We're able to offer that. We could buy that down for our clients to be able to offer those discounts, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what's important to be able to offer those discounts to someone. Amazing. And I don't want to lose your client. So very often someone will come to me and say, you know, well, TD offered me this. I'm like, great, I'll match it. I'll find someone to match it. Just stay with properties, stay with us as a group. That way I can follow the deal. I can keep the realtors updated. Client is done. Everything's smooth. Like, two, two, we have never had a deal not close. I think that's so, important to you. You have a whole package, huge, right? You, you know, need to like, keep it together. Yeah, we have to. We want to keep this. And we want to keep you in knowledge. Like... You'll know with, with a lot of these clients, they only depend on us for those th- because of that reason. I trust you, Miriam. I know my deal isn't going anywhere. Right. I know that you are going to bring this deal back to me when it's ready. Right. And the client. And not only that, it's also like 
a sister or a brother calls me and says, from that client referral, a sister or brother calls me, that sister or brother is referred to the same broker again. Right, you so circle like, it back to yeah, the agent. Yeah, 100%. And I know you do. You've done it time and time again. Yeah. So we're going to get into some questions now. You know, what do you think September has in store for the Toronto real estate market? It's uh, like, uh, I, I've seen videos <laughs> on social media. Like, where are we going here? Like, talk to us a little bit, it's, you know? It's it's funny because last... We had a quiet summer, so... I know. So I think it is has a Is it game on? Are we pumping the, up in the locker room right now? Like, I mean, are we putting armor on? <laughs> Which way are we going here? I think a lot of things have to do with um, what's going to happen tomorrow in the announcement. I think that'll be... Like right now, there was already a little bit of a nerve and a little bit of nerves. You could see the Canadian bond market, which is the indicator for fixed rates, like the prime indicator. It was interesting because on Monday last week, I got a client 6.2 on a three-year fixed. And then Friday, I saw it drop and I put a request in to get a discount on the rate and I got 5.7. And it was just when I watched the market just dip because I have it live on my screen all day. And those are my indicators. So some banks will respond very quick to that. So TD, because they have US investments and stuff. And so when I sent it into them, they said to me, Kamir, approved at 5.72, which is insane, just in like a one week span, Interesting. which is crazy. So, and then when I woke up this morning, the 3.38 rate that we had on Friday, the bond markets are now 3.988. Why? Everyone's a little nervous about tomorrow's announcement. Mm-hmm. So obviously, bond markets get a little tighter, right? So that's what that's those are the indicators for what's going to happen in the fixed rate market. Basically, what does the bond market say? That's how much we're going to sell the money for. So in 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 a real you estate know, agent's simple mind, because we're simple folk here, we're not no. we're not as sophisticated as mortgage <laughs> brokers and lawyers. Just help us understand, like in a in a nutshell, like wh- what's your prediction? What's where's your? I know you don't have a crystal I'm, I'm ball, hoping, but. I'm hoping it just stays. So let's say they keep the rates the same. How I, do you think I, that's going to affect us? Like, do you think we're going to see more? So if they keep the rates the same, you know, prices I are up, prices are down. We're, we're, there's a lot of interest still in the market to purchase. Here's a better so, question: on a on a volume level, the how many pre-approvals were happening in August as a predictor of where do you think people are going to be at in September? So August was busy. Mm-hmm. Um, July, June, and July were much busier For on pre-approval level, but I think it's just. I think it's just because people were off. I don't think it was because people it was an indicator away. of the market, but because people that come in and want a pre-approval, they want it within 24 hours. They want to go out tomorrow, or they're already shopping. I found a property. I'm seeing that more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People don't come up uh, planning in six months. I don't see that in, as mm-hmm. much anymore. I people see are more seeing an opportunity, in, yeah, and they want just, it. They want to be ready for the opportunity, mm-hmm. right? So, reality is, if rates drop. Um, which I don't think will happen till mid next year, in all honesty. You heard it here first. I know. If we, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll ca- happen till mid 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 next year. But if even if it does drop a bit, um, it's going to be a slow drop, and I think people's reaction is quick. Mm-hmm. So people that even I get a call where it was six point one to five point seven was like wow. You know what I mean? So any small difference makes a difference. I think if they can afford it and they know they can pay it, then it doesn't matter. Right. Right. So um, what we think is going to happen, I'm hoping it stays and they don't increase it. That's all. Okay. That's what we're hoping for. Let's skip to the next question, Lucas, what we got here. So what should a first time home buyer be doing now to get ready to buy? So I think these first time home buyer savings accounts um, have been successful. Um, at the end of the day, having your money here, down payment here, so whether it's 
funds coming from family overseas, or which is very often the case because we have a lot of new immigrants. Mm -hmm. So whether they're coming and they're bringing their money from certain countries, some of them having a little bit more restrictions now on them. For example, like India, um, it is getting a little more difficult. They're restricting how much money needs to come in. So do that early. That's what I tell my clients for a habit here. Have it in a bank account, savings account, 90 days before. Um, have a pre-approval set for 120 days. Um, that just hedges your bet. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you do a pre-approval and rates drop. We just disregard the pre-approval. And at, when it goes live, and even until closing, we will look at the rate. So even if um, you were to buy a property today, I issue a commitment letter and you're closing in November. If rates should drop, we reissue the commitment letter at a new bank with a better rate. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's still negotiation till you close, which is really important because I have clients that are saying to me, should I go three-year fixed? Should I go variable? I'm like, let's do two banks. We'll approve and hold at two different banks, both options, and then... You know what I mean? We'll go from there. But for first-time home buyers, having their down payment, making sure their income is consistent, making sure they're getting their pay stubs regularly. So some people just, you know, get it. That's not great. You want to make sure you have your pay stubs on a regular basis. Um, and even if they're on probation, if they can show um, that they've been in the industry a little longer, we can get them a mortgage. So That's probation great. doesn't necessarily mean you're not getting a mortgage. Get your stuff organized. Yeah. Okay, cool. Should people be buying or selling first? As realtors, this is a question we get asked all the time, and I know it's case-by-case case specific, but I'd like to hear from your perspective as somebody who needs to go and help finance properties or discharge existing mortgages. You know, How do you see it going? Like, Where, where do you see that kind of happening? Listen, we What have, would you prefer to see? Obviously, I'd like to see the sale first, even if it means selling after a purchase. I don't care because a sale agreement allows me to get a bridge loan allows me to, you know, have more confidence with the lender, obviously. But if, if we feel like they had to purchase first because it was a good opportunity, then at least that the sale should happen before it's completed. Listen, we have, we, I have an answer for everything. So that's the truth. If you're in a position where you haven't, then great, we do a short-term private loan. If you have, then bridge loans are available, some cheap, some a little bit more expensive, but they are available. Mm -hmm. So any situation works. It's also dependent on the market, like where, you know, opportunity lies. If someone wants, a, like for myself, when I bought my house, I wanted a specific street, you know, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to be within one or two streets. That's what I wanted. This is where I wanted to raise my family. And when a house came out, I didn't care. I bought it. Right. So everyone has a different situation. Right. right? Yeah, I had a mortgage pre-approval in place at that time, but I mean, I knew at the end of the day, the strength is in, you know, in your realtor, I think, at the of end course. of the day. So, and what your specific yeah, need is. Yeah, for me, but I... from a lending side of things, it sounds like yeah, having that sale agreement, yeah. it does help you a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, because it's a little less expensive on the bridge and on But the, it's nerve-wracking for the, the, the potential client on the buyer and the seller side because they don't know where they're going. Right. Right, so it's a balancing act. Okay, cool. What is a trick you can share for people struggling to get approved in this market? Um, specific trick. I think, honestly, um, making sure you use a mortgage professional just because we have different options. We're not closed to one. Having it. someone that actually knows d different lending practices. 
You know, you don't just want to have um, a person that started out in mortgages and hasn't had the experience of, you know, different, because it's all about experience in this industry. We learn nothing in school, you know, same as realtors. We learn everything as we go. As a group, I have a technique where every Thursday I meet with a different lender. Mm -hmm. And each lender, when I reach out to them, I'm like, hey, just tell me what is special about you? What can you offer my client specific? So that's what I would say more than anything. Um, making sure that you include in your, um, in your knowledge, whether you make bonus pays, whether you have a child tax income, those are things that you want to include in your pre-approval. Any extra incomes that you think exist are something. Um, decreasing your debt load, that's huge. So try to go into a pre-approval where you have as little debt as possible. Um, those are the things that you want because it's all debt and income, right? So. And then getting in as early as you can because you want to try to get into that low rate mm -hmm. environment. And you can always change it afterwards. Yeah, include every income. That's all. I think a lot of people forget or try to think, oh, you know what? Yeah, I do make a small bonus, but anything makes a difference on your pre approval, right? Because okay. any income will increase that pre approval. Um, getting all your documents in order T4s, T1s, um, pay stubs, employment letters, making sure that employment letter is clean. Some people will bring me an employment letter that says, I make an average of uh, 40 hours a week with an average pay of, no, nah, uh-uh, no average. Banks want to know exact. Exactly. Right? So, and try to maximize that. Like if you're negotiating with your employer, try to get them to, you know, confirm when they're getting an approval. I want to know what is the minimum number of hours that you are guaranteeing me. And if they're writing the minimum guaranteed hours of 44 a week I'm giving you plus overtime. Great, that's what I want in the letter. I don't want averages because then banks are like, mm, I'm only going to use an average. You only have one year. We can't use your income. Right. Right. So getting those things, negotiating well, even with your employer. Got it. Yeah. So as you know, the, the, the podcast name is Tales from the Lockbox. You know, we obviously have, we have a lot of realtors here, but you know, you have your experience from stories too. What's your tale from the lockbox? Like what's your, you know, can you give us a real estate story that sticks out to you? Something that, you know, you're obviously you're not on the road and in showings and you might not be jumping through windows of houses to get it locked, you know, or locked in backyards, but you gotta give us one good story I, that you can share with I the think, listeners. I um, think I have absolutely so many and on the moments we always have like amazing ones. Um, I think one would be like, specifically an agent who really just submitted the clients and I helped them to build their pre-approval for like two or three months. And then um, they came in and said to me, you know, Miriam, I have a pre-approval with TD already. Um, when it came down to it and it was a live deal, they weren't getting the same pre-approval from, from them. We came in and were able to get them a lot more money, which allowed them to borrow and increase their limits, mm -hmm. right? Um, that's pretty much a lot of the time what we do. Well, clients will come and just, they, even from your realtor saying like, my max budget is this, but we're able to expand it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Using certain elements that they don't have. Um, TD um, and all the banks, they have employees working for them, not mortgage brokers. They don't understand the mortgage industry. They only understand their products. So 
maximizing those products are really important. And that's where we benefited from. Getting the most amount of opinions. Lucas, do we have any questions coming in? Does anybody watching live have any questions on the mortgage front of things that can help you, you know, do more deals this month, help you get forward? Do we have any questions coming in there, Lucas? Or any issues that people are having. Any issues? Does anyone have a real issue that they're stuck with right now in a deal that, you know, potentially advice from a mortgage broker might be able to help them right now? We'll leave it open for a minute there. I think that's really like my, my big crux of it. I think, you know, do you have anything other in, in information, so, any feedback, any tips that we can, so you can think, leave our agents with here, that any of our listeners, our agents, anyone here listening to this, where they can go from and how they can do more business and work so with you. Getting in early. Don't, don't take any conversation for granted. Send them over every conversation because we can find a way for them to get approved, asking them whether or not parents can help, whether parents can be on the deal. These aren't questions you're gonna to know to ask. Asking them you know, how much they have in net worth. Um, I think one of the realtors, I had a call yesterday with a client who said to me, um, he has parents uh, in Poland who have a very successful company, um, net worth of over $10 million. Look at his, he's a student here, a law student here looking to purchase. Um, Obviously, he has no income, thought he couldn't qualify. Mother is a Canadian citizen, so now we can take the net worth of her company in Poland and be able to use that to purchase a property. And even if he doesn't want to, the idea is the client didn't know he could refinance. Even if the parents want to buy out his condo now, he could refinance after he becomes a lawyer and be able to pull the money and repay. Um, other things that I want to talk about is clients, uh, you as realtors, I think the only indicators I think everyone should follow really in knowing rates and helping your clients is the bond market. Knowing really well that when those bond market the announcements go, go down, that's when fixed rates will decrease and mm -hmm. that's when your clients should be going in for pre-approval. And that's, those are things that I guide as well when we do those. So things. it sounds like as an agent, something that we should be paying attention to, which a lot of it's us probably don't, is watching the bond market. Yeah, Bond exactly. market equals mortgage market. that's an indicator market. to what the bank is going to do. That tells you. And what are we looking for in the bond market? So increases, decreases? Decreases in the bond market. Because when it goes down. Purchasing or rates? Um, so the decrease in the percentage of, and the rate of the bond market. So when we, like last week, when we were at the beginning of the week at 4%, and then it dropped to 3.33 on Friday, that's when all of a sudden the bank's response was to decrease their fixed rates. And that's a fixed rate indicator. For a variable rate indicator, it's more what's the announcements by the Bank of Canada. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what we're looking at between both of them. With the fixed, it's more the bond market. How much does it cost them to buy money and what are they selling it for? And for the variable, it's really how much is the Bank of Canada listing and what is the economic conditions? Mm -hmm. Variables are minus, um, are, are with a discount. Today, discounts are between prime, which is 7.2, minus 0.5. That's what they will, you know, between 0.5 and 0.9. Um, fixed rates are the bond market plus two. So that's the rate that they would be selling it at. Mm -hmm. And just so people have a little bit of a reference point. Wow. So it's 7.4. Uh, no. So it's prime. No, it's 3.8, which is the bond market number mm -hmm. plus two, 5.8. It. It. Yeah. And then the prime rate, which is 7.2 is an indicator with minus what they're showing. So five years ago, we were getting prime minus 1.25 today we're prime minus 0.5. Why? Economic conditions. They, they're, a little, they're not being as risky. But those discounts will go up if the bond market goes down. What makes the bond market go down? Um, economic conditions. When the market is bad, 
bond markets go down. We saw a little bit when the SVB bank went under and all of a sudden bond market kind of dipped a little bit. We put a bunch of pre-approvals in. We were able to get a lot of your clients to buy amazing at amazing rates in August and September. And they were in a net benefit of, over everyone else. So getting those numbers in place and watching them and that's when we reach out to properties and we say to them, listen, guys, just a heads up, get your clients in. We give you those indicators as well. So we work with you in every sense, right? Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Miriam, for coming out, guys. Again, Miriam Essabag, Mortgage Outlet. She's our in-house mortgage broker here to help you close deals. Uh, if you're listening online, Miriam's mortgages, she's, she's amazing at what she does. She really helps realtors get deals done. Please reach out to her. Thank you for coming Thank today, you. Miriam. Thank if you have any questions, you can always this. reach out. Again, this is Tales from the Lockbox, episode number nine. Thank you for listening. If you're listening online, you know, hit subscribe, like, comment, share. Any feedback you can give us on our podcast channels helps us promote this and what we're doing here and bring you more great information and bring get great guests out like Miriam. Thank you again, guys. Have a great day. Happy selling out there. If you need any help from me, you can give me an email or a call. I'm always here to help. Thanks. Have a good day.